0: Now over to Pastor Steve.
1: So I'm going to quickly transition into what we are referencing as Evangelism Sunday. So welcome to Father's Day and Anniversary Day and Evangelism Sunday. We only get 52 weeks a year. I got to jam stuff in together. So this is Evangelism Sunday and this is something that's been on my heart for quite some time. And you might have uh, noticed that we have a special guest in the room. Kurt Knapp is here with his lovely bride. And Kurt is a part of the Gideons International Organization. Those of you that don't know what the Gideons are, they are, in my estimation, one of the most real and fateful organizations to the things of God that has ever existed. I used to, about three, four years ago, I would have thrown in some other names. I used to serve on the board for the Salvation Army. And I won't anymore. They've lost their way. And and I'm not here to criticize other ministries. I'm just saying, the reality for a long-term ministry to maintain their mission and their vision through all of the pressures of culture and society is nearly impossible, which tells me that the grace of God is on Gideon's International. Gideon's has basically had one mission, one vision since the day they were created, and that was to get Bibles into the hands of people. And they have stayed true to that vision, basically from the first day. That's still what they do. I don't believe their CEO even makes money. Nearly everybody that's in the Gideons is a volunteer. So anybody that gives money to the Gideons, it basically turns into Bibles. They, it, it is a unique, a incredibly unique and rare entity, to keep that type of vision, that type of mission, that parachurch responsibility, and to hang on tightly to it through all the pressures of all the things that they've gone through. And so I have tons of glowing things to say about Giddings International. So I'm not trying to do a commercial for them, but I'm saying that what Kurt is representing when he is talking to you this isn't just some random ministry and we're all like hey you know maybe you should do stuff and things with this ministry no this is this is somebody who has stayed true to the call for how old are they now 125 years It's funny to celebrate my anniversary and think about how faithful I have or have not been with my wife for 28 years, and here's the Gideons being faithful to their mission and their call for 125 years. That just proves to me it can be done. I would call the Gideons heroes. So Kurt, why don't you come up and, and share with us what you have. So everybody, please welcome Kurt Knapp.
2: so much. The B-I-B-L-E, that's the book for me. (laughs) Uh, I was taught that by uh, Dorothy Alex at at my age of four and then by Dolores Pollan the following year and it's been that way ever since as I saw the children file out of here this morning. I thought how blessed they are that someone cares enough so they'll teach the Bible. I thought it interesting this morning when Steve uh, said uh, Leviticus 29 is just as important as John 3.16 and he was exactly, exactly right. And the reason he was right is one day we're going to stand before God and we're going to answer for every idle word. Every one. Do you think that he'd coax the writers of this book to give you any idle word? Any? Uh. When I, was, when I was asked to come here to do a sowers of the seed service, and it'll be a short one, I was so blessed to, at the invitation. And uh, the church has bought for you to give away a hundred of these little testaments. And these testaments are unique. One thing that makes them unique, they don't have the Gideon sign on them. (laughs) So Gideons aren't giving these away. Beloved is giving these away. Beloved is going to put them into the hands and hopefully the hearts of each and every person you hand it to. Now what makes it unique is that in the front, there's three sections, short sections, very short, about God's help in crisis and help with life's problems. Do you ever have any of those? And godly living for today's world. And under each of those sections, there's, there's... Topics like depression or Stress anybody ever have stress? (laughs) And under those topics There's what God says about how to deal with those things so as You give this away you point out these three sections and a couple of the, the topics underneath the sections and show them how to find that topic in their new gift that you're giving them for free. Because the church that you support is positioning you to give them for free. At any rate, that will teach them what God says And it will teach them how to find what God says. Then at the back of the Testament, there's a Roman road trail to a commitment prayer. And as you give this away, don't read them the trail. Give them the trail to read themselves. And just ask them, by step, by step, by step, what what does that mean to you? And when we get down to the end, then ask them to recite the prayer, the commitment prayer, and ask, does that apply to you today? Should they say yes, uh, you can repeat it with them again. Have them sign a date the day they stepped into God's kingdom. And should they say no, you go on and say, I'd love you to have this anyway if you'd take it. And maybe they'll go home and put it in a drawer. I got one buddy that taught that tossed it in a garbage can because he was in prison for seven years. And he ended up writing 13 books about how to bring others to Christ. He's no longer with us today, but he's on to better things. At any rate, tucked in your little testament is also an app card so that they can load the Bible into their telephone and they can either read out of, their tel- out of their smartphone or on the way to work they can set the smartphone so that it will read to them in any one of about 1,500 languages. So it's basically unlimited. and. Uh, At any rate, there's going to be someone at the door as you leave today with a box of these wonderful little gifts from God and beloved. And I encourage you to take one or two and give to a friend, a family member, a co-worker, a neighbor who you beloved thank you much for allowing me here god bless you i look forward to the rest of the service
0: i just did some quick math
1: right at the very end of what kurt just said and i think that we at beloved church since our inception have given away somewhere close to 5,000 Bibles, and there's a few things that we've done that I kind of look at as like real stuff. Like we don't keep track of scalps. Anybody that's ever been to one of those churches, like we, you know, taking taking scalps for Jesus, where you had someone pray a prayer, and now we got a scalp. Woo, 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 woo. And that's not. I don't believe that because I don't necessarily think that a prayer magically crosses you over a line unless it does, and so you never know when someone's praying that prayer to get you to shut up because I've had that happen i was a I was a huge evangelist when I first went to Bible College and we I was in charge of leading teams multiple teams every weekend to go. Downtown Dallas and downtown Fort Worth, and we would see anywhere between thirty and two hundred people born again because they prayed prayers and since then I've repented a ton because uh, God isn't the magic open sesame where we we give him some it's cultish to to recite certain words and think that all of a sudden God's gonna jump because we did it. But it's authentic to talk to God from your heart and anticipate him to respond. And so it's not about the prayer, it's not about the exact words, it's about the heart of the person that's doing it. And this, these New Testaments can give you the context of how to get that person's heart to understand what needs to happen. So, some of the authentic things that we've done since our inception at Beloved ha, leans more on giving away Bibles, seeing all the young people impacted. You know the the school that Mitch has started. These are things that I'm looking at that really is going to have multi generational impact, which is way more Kingdom. God is way more about multi generational than you having a warm fuzzy on a Sunday morning. Now, sometimes a warm fuzzy will lead to g- impact in generations, and so he's he's all about both. But if it doesn't have eternal value to it, God's really not in it. That's why what's going on in our world right now is so distracting from what we should be focused on. There's a, uh, a person that I know, his name is William Federer, and he has this kind of a famous statement, and I... Uh, I have actually kind of like stolen his statement and reworked it a little bit. So I'm gonna tell you the Steve Steve Castle version of the quote of William Federer. So I'm giving him credit, but I'm also letting you know I stole it. He he says the most important thing is to lead people to Christ and the second most important thing is to protect the freedom to lead people to Christ. I kind of reworked it and I said the most important thing for a believer to do is to create more believers. If there are not people in your life that believe because you believe, you might not be doing it right. And I'm not, I just said that and it came out and I know there's people like, oh, here he goes. I'm not doing that. I'm just saying that if you really are believing and it's affecting your lifestyle, there should be people watching you. There is people watching you and they should be impacted by the way you do it. And if they're either not being impacted by the way you do it, maybe you're not doing it, or you're not doing it right, or if they're impacted the other way, that hypocrite that I live next door to that goes to church twice a week, and then they yell at my kids, and and their dog comes and poops in my yard, and I'm telling you, I know a ton of folks that probably will never be a Christian because they know Christians. It irritates the fire out of me. So if you're in here and I catch you in some kind of moment of hypocrisy and I blast you, it's not because I'm mad at you, it's because I'm mad about the fact that some of these people may or may not ever respond to the gospel because of hypocrisy. And that's why I've, I've been really diligent about trying to encourage everybody here at least, that we need to be authentic, sincere, and genuine with our faith. I'm totally okay if you come up and you say, Pastor, I screwed up all week. I sinned and sinned and sinned some more. Great, awesome, let's work it out, let's get it sorted. But for folks to kind of come in and go out and put on their Sunday best and, and check the box, look at me, I'm awesome Christian, and then you go home and beat your wife and kick the dog, It's not okay. It's not okay. If you won't beat her in front of me, don't beat her at home. And I'm pretty sure most folks ain't going to do that. If you won't do it here, don't do it there. (laughs) Nope. That didn't go over very well. Let me get, nah, whatever. Let me get back to this. The most important, I think, this is my stolen statement, the most important thing for a believer to do is to create more believers. You should be believing so well that people believe because you believe (laughs) the second most important thing for a believer to do is to protect and perfect the freedoms necessary for the first thing. This gets into politics this gets into lifestyle this gets into being genuine. If you're not protecting your own lifestyle that helps create believers then you're not doing the second thing which is the is doing the most important thing which is the first thing. And so these, this is really the context of what Christianity is about. Jesus came and had to reset the board of what humanity was supposed to be like. Because we had mucked it up so bad that, we could, that we, there was no way out of the jungle. You ever heard people say, you can't get there from here? Humanity couldn't get there from here. Jesus had to literally come and blaze a trail because there was no way humanity was going to get there from where they were. And so he reset the board. He reset the state. He said, this is what humanity is supposed to look like. This is what the life that you've been given is supposed to be lived like. This is how we're supposed to believe. This is how we're supposed to... Now, here you go. I'm going to give you my spirit. I'm going to empower you to do that. Go help other people do that. And in today's version of Christianity the modern progressive churchianity version, a lot of people will probably hear that good news. They're like, hey, that's awesome. God wants to give me a really wonderful life. And they'll say, thank you. And then they sit on the couch and they eat bonbons and they thank God for giving them an awesome life which really isn't authentic Christianity because if you can experience the good things that God has done for you and is doing for you and wants to do for you and you can't share that with someone else, right. Right. Then, the, then the singularity of what Christianity re, uh, reflects, which is non-self-centeredness, has not impacted your life. Christ was the least selfish self-centered person to ever draw breath he did nothing for himself and so for us to call ourselves Christ followers or disciples or Christians or believers whatever you call yourself and to not embrace that a life that is not about you then you have not allowed the one of the simp, the most simplest aspects of what Christianity is about And I know, this world has told you, you've got a ton of stuff that you got to do. And worrying about someone else ain't on the list. That's the world. And the kingdom says, (laughs) you've got one thing to do. Help other people experience what you've experienced. Jesus said, if you seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, he'll take care of all the other stuff. You want God to take care of your groceries and your bills and your, and your finance? And all, you want God to take care of all that stuff? Then do what he asks you to do. He's faithful. That's what Bob said. He, he's faithful. Either you believe Bob or believe me. Believe somebody. <clears throat> the biblical conception, the biblical concept of evangelism is the act of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with others. It is a command from Jesus himself. If you, if you say Jesus is Lord, p- please think about Lord for a second. Lord means Lord, which means if he says do something, you don't say, well, you know, we'll, we'll vote about it. We'll, we'll start a committee. We'll, we'll get an opinion. Let's do a survey. Do we want to follow? Would you? If, if you call him Lord, Lord means Lord. Lord means if he commands something, we do it. Now, maybe he's not Lord to you, and that's okay. He, he, he wants to be, but maybe you're not there yet. Start with Savior. Let him come in and save you. Start with Savior. But if you experience him as Savior, hopefully that will eventually lead you to wanting him as Lord. It's a whole lot better life to live when Jesus is Lord, helping you figure out your life than Jesus just being Savior so you can go and fall into the pit every, every other day, and then he comes and saves you out of the pit. Way better for him to be Lord to tell you how to avoid the pit. It's a command from Jesus himself who told his followers to go and make disciples of all nations. That's the great commission. Not a great commission. Not one of the sidebars in the scriptures. Matthew 28. The great commission. Go make disciples. You cannot make a disciple if you haven't become a disciple. And this is something I've preached since day one at Beloved Church, and I I get it. A lot of people still aren't there yet. They're still trying to figure out whether they want to be disciples or not. I'm okay with that. You can stay here for the rest of your life and never be a disciple. I'm okay with that. But the Great Commission is that disciples make disciples. That's what he says. Don't send me the email telling me I'm a jerk because I said what he said. You send it to him. You don't have a Gmail address, by the way. The word evangelism comes from the Greek word eugelon, which means good news. The good news of Jesus Christ is that he died on a cross to pay for our sins and rose from the dead to give us eternal life. We probably all know that. When we share this good news with others, we are evangelizing. We're good-newsing people when we tell them what Jesus has done for them and also showing them what he's done in us. There are many different ways to evangelize. We can share the gospel in person, through our words, through our actions. We can also share it through written materials, like Gideon Bibles or Beloved Bibles. I don't know what they are. Bibles. Just give people Bibles. Through written materials, electronic or social media, and most powerfully, through our lifestyle. You've heard me use this quote often, and I will for the rest of my life. St. Francis of Assisi said, preach the gospel always and if necessary use words your life is declaring something your life is declaring something what is it declaring no matter how we choose to evangelize it's important to remember that the goal is not to win an argument Or convert someone to our way of thinking. Do I need to say that again or we got that? The goal is to share the good news of Jesus Christ. I don't care if you think like me. In fact, there's probably in some areas you don't need to think like me. I get in a lot of trouble. But I want you to know the good news of Jesus Christ. The goal is to share the good news of Jesus Christ with others so that they can experience the joy and the peace that he offers. Evangelism is not about us. It's about sharing the good news of Jesus. Evangelism is one of the most raw, foundational, principled parts of Christianity that says, this is not about me. And in our world today, fear, beats out the good news in most people's lives, most of the day. Well, I don't want to tell this person you know, about Jesus because what if they dot, dot, dot. Well, I don't want to say something at work because what if work dot, dot, dot. I don't want to say something to this person at Walmart because what if they dot, dot, dot. And it is fear after fear after fear and it comes in many forms. It comes as insecurity. It comes as wisdom. I've, I've had so many people tell me, well, you know it's wisdom to not tell people about Jesus. Okay, thank you very much for your wisdom. I'm going to go a different direction. John 13, Jesus was talking to his disciples literally a few hours before he died, before he atoned for all of humanity. And he looked at his 12 and he said little children in verse 33 yet a little while I am with you you will seek me and just as I said to the Jews so now I say to you where I'm going you cannot come now if you're his guys and I don't, I, I, I cannot lay the foundation for this properly, but I'll just let you know those twelve were way beyond all in. They left everything, everything to be with Jesus. And you might be thinking, "Well, it was probably easier back then." Are you for real? How many safety social nets do you think that they had? How, how much unemployment insurance were? the people paying in that day and age? How many soup kitchens? You you can almost get rich by not working and living off the government in today's world. They didn't have that back then. These folks left everything. They trusted everything to Jesus, to the rabbi, to the weird rabbi that nobody else liked, that he was the target of all of religion. They left everything, families, jobs, careers, businesses, everything, even their own religion, because Jesus was contrary to Judaism. They left everything to follow this guy. And now here he's saying, I'm going away, and where I'm going, you can't go. Hold on, sir. We gave up everything. And you're dropping us like a hot potato. And where are you going? You know, we'll rent a donkey, whatever we got to do, we'll chase you down. Like, what's going on right now? And I know that we know that, well, duh, he has to go and die, guys. <laughs> it's easy for us to look back and say, why didn't these guys get it? <laughs> you know how many times I've stood up here and I've said simple truths and and people are like, what are you talking about? I I get this, that there are times that it's easy for us in retrospect to think, man, they should have totally got this. Is anybody in here go back to when you're 18 and make some better decisions based upon the knowledge that you have now? Why is that? Because experience teaches. And some of you have got some scars to prove it. Amen. But you know what you did when you were 18? You made the best decision you thought you could make in that moment. And most of us, stupid. <laughs> Super stupid. For me, I was like king of stupid. <laughs> anyway, let me move on. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. A new commandment. You know, this commandment was as old as Judaism. The Shema says, Behold, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one God, and you shall love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength. That's the Shema. The Shema had to be spoken at a minimum of twice a day by every Jew every day. They knew that they needed to love God. Then what is Jesus talking about a new commandment? Because this commandment has a different expression. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as. He defined it. He personally with his life defined it. This is how you love. You know, if I say I love Kay. We're going to bed and I kiss her. Good night, honey, I love you. If I say that, this is the context. Does she know that I'm willing to lay my life down for her? I hope so. I hope I've proven to her. I hope she knows that. If she doesn't know that, I can't say it. Because this is what it is. Now, out there in the world, you can say, I love pizza, I love my kitty, I love my wife. And I'm sure she feels awesome knowing that you love her equal to your kitty. And there's some people that actually love their kitty more than they love their spouse, because that's cool in the world right now. I really love my dog, hate my husband, love my dog. Well, aren't you awesome? You can get tons of followers on social media by living your life that way. Loving animals and hating people. You know, it is absolutely normal. I, if any of you are friends with me on Facebook, you can check my feed. It's, it's gotten fun for the last few weeks. <laughs> and it is totally normal for someone to come on there and cuss me out tell me I'm a terrible person and do whatever. And they, if, when I go to their, their ID or whatever to delete them or block them, whatever it's called, <clears throat> it is totally normal to see these people be completely all in For for dogs and ASPCA and and the environment and whatever and be pro-abortion. It makes tons of sense to kill babies and save puppies. And it's popular. You could probably walk up to most worldly environments and say, Hey, I spend most of my life trying to save animals and kill babies, and they'd say, aren't you awesome? You're just awesome. Can I follow you on social media? Sure can, here's the. This is is how upside down, and so don't think for a second that when we say, hey, I love you, (laughs) that we have the right context. This is the context, just as, just as I loved you. It would almost be just, I haven't done this, don't start doing this just because I preached it, but I've thought about when people walk out, hey, I love you, I've actually thought about to the death, you love me, you'll die for me? There's people that don't even give at church. (laughs) Come on. If your wallet's more important, if your animals are more important, if your time's more important, don't. Don't go popping off how much you love God and love His people. Don't say that you're going to do the Great Commission when you're cowered into submission by fear and insecurity that the culture lays on you. Don't you dare talk about Jesus. It is popular now to have satanic things happen in our culture. If you go to a worldly concert, they will have satanic imagery. They will. Not they might, they will. You, you can go, some of the top 10 videos right now, music videos, literally have the artists dressed as Satan, doing satanic activities, and they're popular. They get tens of millions, hundreds of millions of views. God forbid you go and tell someone about Jesus. God forbid. This is the way our culture is. It is popular to be satanic. You're in a minority to be Christ-like. So you want to be cool? You want to be hip in God's world? Be like Jesus. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I loved you. You You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another all people all people you know Jesus is a people lord i'm i'm your disciple i'm a, really because this is what it looks like well yeah but besides that well, there ain't no besides that this is how they'll know if if i have to walk are you a disciple Yeah, of course I'm a disciple. Really? How do you do that? Well, you know, I'd go to church and read the Bible and believe in God. Wow, that's awesome. You know, there's a lot of people that probably aren't even born again that go to church, read the Bible, and know God. I can show you scriptures in the Bible that the demons know God. They even tremble about knowing God. I know about God oh good congratulations you and Satan are equal (laughs) if you think that gives you entrance into heaven or a better life that's just silliness this is what Jesus said they're going to know this is how the world society your spouse your children your family your your church family this is how they're going to know whether you're actually discipled by God his love that you have for one another and just so you know, it's not loving the ones that are easy to love. Everybody in here can love mom. Yeah. Amen. You don't even have to try. You like fall out of bed, bump your knee. I still love Sharon. She's <laughs> she's awesome. But then you go to church and you hear me talk. <laughs> You're lucky I love your mother. <laughs> One of the people that will prove to you whether you're actually following this is the ones that are hard to love. Anybody can love someone that's easy to love. Can you love the ones that are hard to love? Well, you don't know what they did to me. Really? What'd you do to Jesus? Amen? John 16 Jesus said, now, however, I am going to him who sent me, yet none of you asked me, where are you going? You know, Thomas and Peter both asked Jesus, where are you going? Philip asked, at least three of these guys asked Jesus where he was going. Then why would he say this? Because they weren't asking for the right reason. They were like, hey, where are you going? You're our boss. You're the one that's providing. When we're with you, we eat. When we're with you, things are okay. Where are you going, buddy, sir? We love you. Hey, where are you going? Where's the paycheck going? They weren't asking for Jesus's sake. I want you to get this. How often are we engaged with other people because we're trying to figure out what's best for us? OK, is there anybody married? And you're, like, questioning your. Married. I, I you're, yes, yep, I was there. <laughs> True. And, comma, <laughs> is anybody married? And you know that there are times that you're, like, you're on that fishing expedition with your spouse. Like, hey, so what are you going to do today? Not because you care because you want to figure out what you're going to do. Because your life's all about you. And sometimes your spouse gets in the way. Uh, somebody in here needs to amen so that we all know that you're... Not... It is not... We are not all that engaged or interested in other people's lives because we're interested in other people. We're trying to figure out how we can get... You know, like I... I do, I do this side business and you know, maybe you could be my customer. So what do you do for work? And maybe you have the money and the... Th- so no, I really wanna pray about the things that are going on in your life. So do you have any time on Tuesday that I can pray for you and maybe tell you about my side business? Has anybody ever had that happen to them? I have. It's, you might, I would rather have you walk up to me and punch me in the face than to pretend like you like me so you can tell me about your cool business that you want me to be in. Don't pretend. I'm I'm okay if you walk up to me and say, hey, I really don't care about you, but I'd love to have you in my business. You look like a fun guy. All right, let's talk about it. I love you with the love of the Lord. You want to join my business? No? Well, I don't love you with the love of the Lord. Instead, your hearts are filled with sorrow because I've told you these things. They were thinking about them. And I know it's really easy because we're awesome Christians. And sort of those disciples they didn't even care about Jesus. He was going to die. And they couldn't even think about anything but themselves. <laughs> Amen. I'm going to have your spouse call me when you guys are having a discussion in your kitchen. But I tell you the truth, it's for your benefit that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus said, it's better to have the Holy Spirit than to have him. Amen. You know how many people think that if Jesus just walked into their situation... If Jesus showed up in the middle of the night and told me the stuff and the things and waved his magic wand over my finances, and if Jesus, with his holes in his hands, if he touched my, my sinned, sickness, diseased body, then I'd be healed. If Jesus would just come and tell my wife to act right, And Jesus said, it's actually better for you to have the Holy Spirit. Uh, Jesus, I'm not really in the mood to argue with you, but yeah, not really. have had the Holy Spirit for years now. It's not that awesome. Thanks, though. Can you come by? We, we don't believe this. I would encourage you to believe him. He said, it's better for you to have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit than for you to have Jesus himself physically with you. Amen? Amen. 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 In Acts chapter 1, I'm going to just read through this because I want to show one of the benefits of having the Holy Spirit in our life. Acts one In my book, O Theopolis, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. Began. What Luke was saying here was that Jesus only started stuff. There's a lot more that Jesus has than just the Gospels. For you, for your family, for your health, for your finances, for your soul. There's a lot more. He just kicked it off. The kingdom has been inaugurated. It has not been consummated. If you think Jesus was awesome with some of the people that he engaged with in the, in the Gospels, just wait and see what he's got for you. The things that Jesus began to do, notice to do and teach. We, we want Jesus to do. Jesus, come do this, heal this, fix this, Jesus. And sometimes he's saying, hey, I'll teach you. No, 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 no you don't understand. I don't want to learn. I don't want to change. I don't want to grow. I want you to do. What part of this prayer are you not understanding? Jesus, I prayed in your name. until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions, there he is again, teaching, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them with many convincing proofs that he was alive. I think that's that's one of those sarcastic statements in the Bible. He convinced them that he was alive with many convincing proofs, which means that one convincing proof wasn't enough. Hi, I'm Jesus. I'm alive. Uh uh-uh. uh. All right, see you next week. After his suffering, he presented himself with many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a span of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Huh, must be an important message. By the way, we do have a message back there called King and Kingdom that if any of you want to learn about the kingdom of God, I encourage you to take one. Verse 4, And while they were gathered together, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem. Don't leave your house, but wait for the gift of, that the Father promised you, which you've heard me discuss. He was talking about the Holy Spirit, the one that's better than him to have in your life than him. For John baptized with water, but a few day, a few, in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You say baptized in the Holy Spirit and people start rolling their eyes. This is one of those Pentecostal churches, ain't it? No, we're a Bible church. I don't know how to change the Bible to make it fit your denomination. So maybe we'll just go with the Bible and forget the denomination stuff. So when they came together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? This is totally normal Christianity. Hey, when's the end times? When can we get out of here? (laughs) Jesus replied, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed in his own authority. They say, it ain't none of your business. Do what you're told to do. But, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Anybody think that they need some more power in their life? That nobody? There can be at least one. The Holy Spirit is the power to do life. (laughs) You know how many people ignore him? I got this life thing. You just stay over there in your God box. I got this. Watch what I can do. Here, God, hold my beer. Okay. But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on upon you. And you will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses. You'll not go and do my witnessing. You'll be my witness. The Holy Spirit in your life makes you a witness. Not empowers you to go and be a witness. <sighs> oh man, this is so important. So important. We don't go do evangelizing. We don't go and tell someone about the gospel because it's some, it's some weird thing that we do in Christianity. We've got go, uh, try to go try to convert the world to our way. It's not that. We have been converted. God has changed our lives. God has empowered us with himself. Everywhere we go, we carry that with us. We are that. I'm not trying to talk you into a cool debate. I'm not trying to argue whether, whether Ford's better than GM. I'm trying to be the life of God. I'm trying to give you an example of what life is supposed to be through the power and the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. And if, I, if you've got to get talked into evangelizing someone, then you're missing the important part of why the Holy Spirit came into your life. This word for witness here is the Greek word martyrio. Martyrio is where we get our English word martyr. That means that Jesus said when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to give you power and kill you. No thanks, Uh, No, I'll I'll just go over here and not die. Okay, well you just keep it up. Here's your choice. You can have the power of God and die. Or you can have the power of you and stay alive. Now the cool thing is, God kills you in the spirit and nobody even knows you died. Because God isn't here to kill folks. He's here to make you alive. But he knows that your old nature has to be put to death in order for you to have a new nature. So when the Holy Spirit comes, he wants to empower your life and kill your old life. And then give you a brand new, brand spanking new, slate cleared, board cleared life. That's what he wants to do. And then from that new life, people are going to watch your new life and they're going to say, Hey, how would you get that life? Holy Spirit. Well, don't say Holy Spirit. In today's culture, shh. Tell him that you have faith. Tell him you have just a different way of living. Tell him you have a life coach. <laughs> I have a therapist. <laughs> I had a guy one time say, hey, you know, you'd, uh, I could do da 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 stuff and things, and I could get you a degree in life coach. I'm like, life coach? What's that? Well, they do, this This was years ago when it wasn't popular. Well, they do this and they do that. I said, well, that sounds a lot like in the Bible, like making disciples. He's like, yeah, it's probably like that. I'm like, why don't you just make disciples? He's like, well, because life coaching is, it sounds cooler. Okay. That's great that we have all these things that sound cooler than disciple. I don't want a therapist. I want to be discipled. I don't want a life coach. I want to be discipled. I don't want a psychologist. I want the Holy Spirit who's going to disciple me. I'm not saying anything bad about any of those things. If you're in here and you're a life coach and a therapist and a psychologist, you are special. But Jesus is better. When the Holy Spirit comes, He empowered all of these people's lives, 120 of them in an upper room. They got the fire of God fell on them, changed their lives, changed their existence, changed their culture, changed their character, changed their virtues, changed every single thing about them. And these people were disciples before this happened. Now they're supercharged disciples. And they spill out on the street and they're radical for Jesus. And all the people out in the street are like, whoa, what happened to all these folks? they got to be drunk. And then Peter stands up and said, no, they're not drunk. They're filled with the Spirit. That might tell you some of the context of how much different it is to live by the power of the Spirit. It should be so real to you that as easily as you can see a stumbling, bumbling, falling in the gutter drunk, you should be able to see a person that has the Spirit of God in their life. And then Peter. Peter stands up and he preaches a sermon. I'm just going to read these. and I'm going to transition this into some more assets to go with your Bible. In verse 17 of Acts chapter 2, it says, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Is anybody in here in all? So he's willing to pour out, not, not sprinkle, not water gun, pour out his spirit in your life your sons and your daughters look how that tied back into father's day your sons and your daughters will prophesy notice daughters it's it's been pretty common for the gals to get kicked to the back of the of the bus as it relates to all things Christianity as it relates to all things society this is why gals had to start Women's Lib is because they were being mistreated and abused. God actually started Women's Lib way back then. The way that God started Women's Lib is everybody gets the same spirit. <laughs> okay. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Anybody ever had a dream in here? You're old Even on my servants and my maidservants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Who's going to prophesy? The people that have the spirit. I would say, raise your hand if you got the spirit in here because, but then you're going to know, I'm going to say, did you prophesy? So you're not going to raise your hand. Now you're in a quandary. I don't, do I have the spirit or prophesy? You should be prophesying to folk. Amen. I will show wonders in the heavens above and in signs in the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. Woo! That sounds fun. The sun will be turned to darkness, the moon to blood, but the coming, before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. All these cool things that are going on right here, the prophesying, the empowered by the Spirit, all this kind of stuff, it all culminates to this end verse. And anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. One of the most important functions, one of the most important reasons that the Spirit of God wants to live in your life is so that you can show other folks who to call on. And we have forgotten that this is an important part of Christianity. The cool kids in Christianity right now, they think like, man, if I lay hands on the sick, like I really did something for Jesus. And I'm not saying that that's not true. But if if you have not helped someone call upon the name of the Lord this week, this month, this year, this lifetime, then the spirit of God in you is absolutely handcuffed. And he would like to be set free in your life. And we're gonna help you do that. I know a lot of people struggle with having those conversations with people, and so I have uh I have gotten assets in addition to having the Bibles that Kurt brought. We're also going to empower you with these cards. And so on one side of this card is basically a business card for beloved church. It tells you the name of your church, it and it literally starts off with, you're invited. And so you can just hand this to someone and say, hey, I'd like for you to come and learn about Jesus or experience Jesus, whatever, whatever transition you got that doesn't make you feel awkward. And it tells the, the address of our church and it tells the service times of our church. It has the phone number on there and it's got my email address so they don't even know you're the creep that gave them the card. They're going to email me. Hey, one of your stupid people gave me this card. Okay. Praise God. Glad you think. And if they're legitimately interested because they've seen the witness of God in your life and you're like, man, I don't know about that beloved church. I've heard terrible stuff in the media about them, but that person that handed me this card, they're awesome. And so if they might actually be interested, on the back is a QR code. And this is so simple that yesterday Pete Russell actually did this from his smartphone. Okay, that, everybody that clapped, that was mean. You need to go apologize to Pete. But he had never done a QR code in his life. This was his first time ever and he took his phone out and the phone did everything. It was smart. And this QR code will take you to a little video that's like two minutes long, two and a half minutes long and it's me saying, hey, we would like for you to come to church. This is what we're about. This is why we want you to come. If you don't want to come, that's cool. And then you don't even have to do all the hard, heavy lifting of doing all that transitionary language to try to like, I don't know what the church. So we're going to empower everybody in this room that you're going to be able to get these cards. You can have as many of these cards as you want, but I want them to get into hands of people that you are going to be willing to impact. Amen. Amen. So before you leave today, you get to take Bibles Amen. and cards. You're going to have tons of stuff available to you to help carry out the mission of God in your life. One of the things that I know is that people that are really, really focused on doing what God wants them to do, it seems like all the problems in their life grow strangely dim in the face of his glory and grace. Amen.